0: To the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. And when your bottom-of-the-barrel offenses are picking you apart, it doesn't matter how good your skill players are, you're going to lose.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things that I was, I was curious your thoughts on. I've been thinking about this a lot and it seems Rhett is also thinking about this quite a bit who has joined us. He's also, um, in. they lost as he should be. But one of the things that I keep going back to is that there has to also be some type of disconnect when it comes to communication between the front office and the coaching staff, oh, because yes. look at the caliber of players that's that are being drafted bad. You've got Jair Alexander. Just for fun, I pulled up his scouting report, and I know that he's not playing right now, obviously, so that could be part of it. But one of his key traits from Lance Zerline was communicative with teammates, aggressive attacking the catch point. The Packers and Goody specifically are going after press man corners. Carrington Valentine, another example of this. One of his reports said something about struggling with zone. And then you have a defensive coordinator who is being given these physical players And he's going, I don't know, just throw him back there. Like, Maggie, I agree. (laughs) I
0: feel like I've been saying this for so long is that I don't understand what the disconnect is the perfect word between the decisions on draft day and the coordinator that you're choosing to call the plays. Because, again, like you clearly have a back seven. That it are built for man coverage, aggressive and want to play. And when they do get the opportunities, they play well. And yet, you're calling this very like zone heavy scheme. And again, like you watch, I don't know how you watch that game, and like you watch the first half of this this season, and you're like. Quay was on fire. He's a tackling machine. You, know, you get him in the right gaps and he can shoot and all these things. And then you watch this game and you're like, why is Quay being asked to cover Chris Godwin? Like the it's the decisions. You're putting your players in the wrong places. These It's the decision-making. And again, it's the play calls. So you can communicate improperly all you want, but the calls were still the calls and... Like, I very rarely feel this way, and this is the first time I'm ever going to say this out loud. I, in this moment, a little bit wish the Packers had an owner because... And I I know that that's like, and I almost, I never feel this way. This is like the 0.01% of the time.
1: With your stock on the wall behind you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, But this is definitely a moment where like, I know that a Jerry Jones or, you know, just someone else would step in and be like, no, we're done here. I've seen enough. Because if you're looking at ownership, you made the joke about my, my ownership, my stock on the wall, but like you look at the ownership of this team being the fans, all of us consensus wise feel the exact same way. Mm -hmm. I think everyone does. Mm -hmm. So I, again, like I would love to be in the building and actually really hear how everybody feels because you're not going to go up there as Matt LaFleur and say, Hey guys, don't worry. Joe's fired after the season ends, but we're going to ride it out with him until then. You're never going to say that. But to your point, it's a bad morale for the locker room. It's a bad look all around to the league, to the fans, to your owners. I can't do the
1: backwards thing. Um, To everyone who watches the game. I... I'm curious your your thoughts on this because it was very expected and predictable that Matt LaFleur was going to come out there. And, you know, we've talked about LaFleur being not the biggest rah-rah guy, doesn't really shake things up. I'm curious if your perspective on him as a coach has changed at all. Because I I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and just understand that he's in a really precarious position right now where there's not there's not really a right answer I think as much as we're all clamoring for Joe Barry to leave if he truly does not feel comfortable with anyone taking over then that's putting his players in a worse spot like they're gonna go out there and play worse and the performances like I think it's a rock and a hard place for Lafleur. but the concern then stems from if you have so little trust in Joe Barry and your defensive staff that now we're talking about I need to devote more time to that room to be in those conversations to help on communication and now your offense that you are developing. They're the, they're the young guys. We said all off season, right? Like the defense was going to have to carry the heavy load. And we're getting to a point now where the vets in the room and the DC that's been there the longest, like Adam Stenovich is a new OC. They're getting their shit figured out. Like the guy that's been around the longest, the the coach that we thought was brought in because Matt LaFleur was young and needed some, you know, been there, done that presence, if you have to go help him out and you are now sacrificing time with your young skilled players, like when that's your bread and butter as a head coach, like I don't want to say that I'm turning on the floor, right? I still believe in him. I still think he's a great coach. I'm not advocating for him to be fired, but I think that there comes a point where it's like, you kind of just have to pick a lane and you have to say it with your chest. And unfortunately I think that he's shown that he doesn't really want to say anything with his chest right now. And again, understanding it's a rock and hard place. I don't think there's a thing he can come out and just stand behind, but it's getting challenging. I don't think there's anything he can do. Um, I think he's probably
0: making the best decision that he sees at the moment for his team. And I think a rock and a hard place is probably the best way to put it, but I agree with you. Like, I mean, you put it perfectly. I don't think there's a better way to say it. Like, you are leaving the side of the ball that's your bread and butter, where your skill set is. You are an offensive minded coach to go assist the guy that you hired to run your defense, who's been doing it for years, poorly, but years. Yeah. And this is the year where the, focus of this season has always been to be developing your young quarterback and your young offense. That is a bad place to be. I mean, we're going to talk about the next three games towards the end of the show, but we can probably do it now if we want to, but the next three games are crucial developmental time for this offense. Like I mentioned it earlier, but like overshadowed in this Bucks game was a really nice day for Jordan. A really nice day for Jordan. You know, he had what was it? Oh, like 284 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and over 100 passer rating. Like that is a stat line on any Sunday. My quarterback should win that game when he plays that well. His defense let him down. He's getting full Aaron Rodgers treatment.